Well, US stocks have taken a bit of a hit. A reality check, perhaps, as PMI show an economy still in contraction. The same with the Richmond Fed Manufacturing Index. And yet no signs of prices falling just yet. Even in Australia, business is feeling the head a bit more now, as we saw in yesterday's NAB business survey. But what about inflation? Where's that going? Well, we find out today. You know that steak for the barbie tomorrow? It's going to cost a bit more this year. It's Wednesday, the 25th of January, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, in the US, equities not really sure where to go today. The Dow is up a third of 1%. The S&P 500 closed ever so slightly in the red. The Nasdaq down 0.3%, but maybe that was a bit too pessimistic because straight after the close, Microsoft's Q2 revenue, well, it was down a little on expectations, 52.7 billion against 52.9 billion expected, but their cloud revenue quite a bit higher than expectations. And all that seen Microsoft shares up 4% or more straight after those results came in in after-hours trade. Earlier in Europe, a third of a 1% fall in the FTSE 100 and a slight fall in the DAX. Bond yields are lower. 10-year treasuries down 5 basis points to 3.46%. UK 10-year gilts down 9 basis points and a 5-point fall in German 10-year bond yields as well. Aussie 10 years climbed 2 basis points yesterday but then coming back about 4 basis points overnight on futures and a bit of weakness in the US dollar down 0.2% on the DXY index. The Aussie dollar is up by the same amount over 70.4 US cents now. The euro slightly up, the pound down 0.4%, the yen up 0.4%. And on commodities, well, oil is down today, a 1.8% drop in WTI and a 2.2% fall in Brent. Meanwhile, since the start of November, gold is creeping up, up about 20% in the uh, last couple of months, including a quarter percent rise in uh, Comex Gold today. And Sally Ald is uh, with me today from JB Weir in Sydney. So, Sally, you look at oil as an indicator, perhaps. And it, it, it's a battle right now, isn't it? The, the impact of a China recovery on demand versus the fall in demand from the impending recession. So oil and equities and maybe gold too, they all seem to be suggesting that, you know, the the, the recession is is winning the odds against the, the hope that, you know, there's going to be a fast recovery. That's exactly right, Phil. So it, it is a bit of a, a push and pull at the moment for, for oil. Um, and as you said, um, I guess uh, the China reopening is is meant to add to, to global demand. And and I, and I actually think you know one of the one of the stories that's quite interesting out there for investors at the moment is that you know equity markets seem to have really raced um, to sort of price in the China reopening. And you sort of feel like commodity markets, you know, perhaps um, particularly energy markets, are just lagging that story. There are some some views out there that you know for for those who haven't really got set with the China reopening uh, story that maybe commodities right now is the better way to play this. But mm. that's exactly right. So we've got China reopening on one hand and and still sort of, you know, I think data telling us that the US economy is, is still losing momentum um, and most people still happy to stick with that consensus view that there will be a recession at some point in the US in 2023. Yeah. So a bit of a mixed bag for oil. Well, the data overnight was sort of, uh, you know, added to that recession story, didn't they? So the flash PMIs, the S&P flash PMIs for the US overnight, they were a little better than expected than last time uh, and uh, better than expected for manufacturing and services, but in each case still well below 50, so still in contraction. So it's not getting worse, but it's not really getting that much better. Yeah, that's right. So the, the US PMIs, as you said, still very much in contraction territory I think that's the, the sort of seventh consecutive month that they've been below 50 yeah um, so yes I mean that that's consistent with manufacturing contracting and we also got data overnight just on one of the regional fed manufacturing surveys the Richmond Fed survey 
uh, and that was a far bit weaker than than expected. So I think it is telling you that um, the manufacturing sector and the goods sector in general um, is is struggling um, and is getting pretty close to to recessionary levels in the US. So again, it, it's really this um, narrative, I guess, which we've seen over the last six months, where you've got pockets of you know, quite quite significant weakness in the U.S. economy. So manufacturing would be one, housing is another one. And yet there are other parts of the U.S. economy, the labour market in particular, you know, that still seems to be to be holding up pretty yes. well. Um, well, we so, saw that in the Richmond. We saw that in the Richmond Fed survey, didn't we? In fact, and you know, on that, because I asked uh, Dave DeGarris yesterday, should we pay too much attention to these regional reports? And he said, well, not unless they're all telling the same story. But they are all sort of telling the same story, aren't they? In that, the, in that they're not good. So the Richmond Fed manufacturing minus eleven against an expectation of minus five, and it was shipments, new orders. Uh, you know, the the the, the key. Deliverables were were well down, but wages increased slightly in that survey as well. And other input prices were rising as well. So you've got less demand and higher costs. Not a great combination. So that sort of means margin squeeze for those businesses, doesn't it? Which is uh, which is not good if you're trying to stage a recovery. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the margin, I think, issue is really critical to all of this because the way we tend to think about you know, the, the process of, of in corporate America is that margins get squeezed and firms respond to that by starting to cut costs. Um, and for most firms, the biggest cost that they face is labour costs. And so they, they start to try and get the wage bill down by um, cutting headcount. And you know, this is the process that, that the economy goes through um, you know, as, as growth slows in response to tighter financial conditions. So that's why you know, these labour market indicators are, are so key. Um, and I think you know, most people sort of feel intuitively that you can't have margin compression and a labour market that remains really robust. Yeah. That would be quite unusual. Um, and so this is why I think as we go forward, there's going to be an increasing focus on you know, this question of can the Fed really get what it wants without cracking the labour market a little bit, at least. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, we are seeing that in the tech sector already, but maybe it'll spread more broadly. So what about the US versus the Europe? That's the big question. We go back to those PMIs because the services PMI for Europe that's gone up, and it's over fifty, so it's uh, it's out of contraction territory. The same if we look at Germany, it's not the same for the UK, where services at forty eight was well below expectations and, and down from forty nine point nine last time. Uh, but you know, um, we we're seeing you know the the US sort of maybe worse than thought. Europe perhaps a bit better. Obviously, the UK no good at all. We can we can discount optimism for the UK for a while. But that seems to be the the shape of things, doesn't it? Yeah, and I guess that's consistent with the narrative that's sort of been in place for for the last month or so, where you know we've had that extraordinarily milder winter in in Europe, which is forced most forecasters to effectively lift their GDP forecast for 2023. Um, most of them have taken out their recession call for Europe for this year. Um, and that PMI data are broadly consistent with, with that whole story. And so what we actually have seen is those PMIs bottom at about November, and we've had a couple of months where they've lifted. Um, and this is, again, I think, consistent with this idea that you know, there isn't going to be a recession in Europe in, in 2023. And so that's been positive for um, at least in in the context of X, FX, context, uh, positive for the euro relative to the dollar. And as you said, sort of UK as expected. So it, it sort of bucked the trend um, with the PMIs weaker over there. But there were some, um, some, some positive signs, I guess, in that weak data in the UK. So the employment index was up and the index that measures future output, which is a bit of a sentiment read, was also up by about four points as well. So 
effectively what we've, what we've got there is, you know, a situation where the labour market data, you know, are looking a little bit better. Um, the numbers in the UK are weak, but they're not as bad as would be implied if you if you tried to back out from the Bank of England's GDP forecast, what sort of PMIs you should be getting. And so I think, you know, what this means is that the at least in terms of the central bank outlook, you know, the Bank of England probably still has a bit more work to do just because it's facing into that really uncomfortable um, mix of soft growth, um, but high wages growth and still quite elevated inflation. Yeah, and uh, higher government uh, sector borrowing as well. So the uh, the public sector borrowing the highest de- December on record, largely because of the spending on on energy support schemes. So you've got uh, you know the, uh, the the rising cost of debt obviously as well. So accrued during the pandemic. So more austerity. I mean, they're already very high on tax. More austerity coming. So uh, you know that doesn't then certainly not pump priming the economy anytime soon. No, are they? The fiscal, so sort of stymi- fiscal story is interesting because you know under under the new government and the new fiscal plan, you know effectively what they've done is they've pushed the austerity out uh, a couple of years, and so to a certain extent that actually means that you know the Bank of England probably has to do a bit more than otherwise would be the case because the fiscal contraction um, you know doesn't come this year or next but comes in in the out years in in the government's numbers so so that public um, sector borrowing you're actually saying good well that's a good thing actually because they are sort of pump priming the economy perhaps helping with growth well i guess it's 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 sort of less that they're pump priming and but more that they're just not doing the hard work on fiscal yeah, they're not pulling as much out consolidation yeah, yeah. now yeah they just kicked that can down the road a couple yeah, yeah. of years all right always a good plan uh, the nab business survey um the fall we were seeing in business confidence uh, yesterday is now pushing through to business conditions uh, so we've got falls mm. in trading conditions in profitability uh, in, in employment as well uh, and i think the expectation is forward orders are going to fall more as well in coming months so it wasn't exactly a staggeringly great uh, survey yesterday was it no it wasn't and, and I guess the the main sort of story there is that business conditions did have a did have a pretty decent fall in the month and as you said you know, that business conditions index is is really just made up of what's going on with profitability what's going on with forward orders and, and what are broad trading conditions like and they are all down so what it tells you is that you know that the heat is coming out of of the economy I think um, and this is probably reasonably encouraging for the RBA because that's sort of what they were hoping to achieve with their rate hike cycle. I think the other interesting part of yesterday's survey was that capacity utilisation uh, came down by quite a bit. Um, so that, that I think, again, is consistent with this idea that, you know, maybe we're just not facing up into the same sort of constraints, um, you know, around uh, input markets and labour markets that have been the case through 2022. And the other interesting thing in it is that when we look at the surveys measures of wages and prices, yes. they have all come off quite significantly. Yeah. Um, and so that just, I think, gives us a little bit more confidence that this idea that, um, you know, inflation and potentially wage pressures, which I think is interesting, you know, may have actually peaked in the fourth quarter of, of 2022. Yeah. Well, the rate of the rate, so the inflation rate might have, I mean, prices obviously still still going up, but the speed of growth has, has come down, hasn't it? So... Uh, so, which is inflation, of course. So, construction, wholesale, and manufacturing, particularly the the, the sectors hit there. Uh, of course, Australian CPI print today as well. So, the, the expectation, I think, is somewhere around one and a half percent quarter on quarter. I think NAB is forecasting one point six percent, which is probably enough for the RBA to keep pushing rates higher, which obviously is still very much the expectation. Yeah, that's right. So, as you said, one point six percent for the quarter. Um, you know, which. <laughs> 
you know, still by historical standards, is a huge number um, for, for inflation. Yeah. And that will see the annual rate come in in the high sevens. And so um, that's a little bit lower than the RBA had forecast in early November. So their latest set of forecasts shows inflation peaking at about 8% in the fourth quarter of 2022. And economists now think that peak is going to be a little bit lower, just simply because petrol prices have come off a bit more than expected in the fourth quarter. And fruit and vegetable prices um, also also the same, haven't gone up as much as, as people had anticipated. Um, and so that's the headline number. And then on the core measure, which is, is really the important one, um, you know, we're looking for 1.5% on the core measure for the quarter and that'll leave the annual rate. Um, at about six and a half percent, and I think the broad narrative with the inflation story is really that we're getting more comfortable that um, goods price deflation is is starting to take hold. So, a lot of the lift in goods prices um, is now starting to cool off, um, and housing or the cost of building a house we know contributed a lot to inflation over the course of 2022. Um, that that source of inflation is starting to cool as well. Um, and so what that really leaves us is with services inflation. And this is one where we have slightly less visibility around what's going on, um, but it also tends to be a bit more sticky than goods inflation. And so this is the really key one for the RBA um, because it can mm. tend to be a bit more persistent than goods inflation. And so, um, you know, I think what we're going to sort of see later today when these numbers come out is assess that goods inflation has peaked and, and we're comfortable with that. Um, but that services inflation still looks uncomfortably high. And I think for that reason, you know, that will mean that the RBA still thinks it has a bit more work to do on rates in the first half of this year. Yeah, well, the ex- I think the expectation is, isn't it, two two more at least, so That's February right. and March, both 25 yeah. basis points, then a, then a pause perhaps in April, we'll see. And also New Zealand CPI today as well. So has, has, has inflation peaked there? Is that what we reckon? Yeah, so I think if you look at the what the market is forecasting, you know, again, uh, headline inflation up to be about 1.3% in the quarter, and that'll leave the annual rate at 7.1% um, for the fourth quarter. In the third quarter, that annual rate was at 7.2%. Um, so... Yes, you know, if the numbers come in broadly as expected, then then maybe we start again to get a little bit more confident that we, the worst is behind us with respect to inflation. Um, but the RBNZ was interesting because it was one of the central banks that, that sort of really bucked the trend towards the end of last year where we did start to see some central banks get, you know, a little bit more willing to say, well, maybe we're getting close to the point where we could pause or we could certainly step down in terms of um, the size of our rate hikes in New Zealand Um Mm. You know, the, the RBNZ finished the year all guns blazing and pretty much said, you know, things are not happening as we like. We've still got inflation that's too high. The economy is not slowing fast enough, so we're just going to have to keep going. And we're prepared to pretty much break the economy in order to get inflation down. So they actually, a bit like the Bank of England, you know, put in an official forecast of a recession into their forecasts um, at their last meeting of 2022. So we'll see what happens um, today. But I think these numbers are going to be pretty important just for helping the market and forecasters to really calibrate what we can expect from both the RBA and the RBNZ um, in the first quarter or two of this year. And talking about halting, so the Bank of Canada, I think the expectation is that they will uh, lift uh, interest rates by 25 basis points today, so they're bringing it up to 4.5%. But it's not completely certain, is it? They might do nothing. There's, you know, they, they may actually pause for a while and see how it all goes. That's right. So there are a couple of forecasters who are, are forecasting a pause today. And when we look at what the market has priced in, I mean, the market's saying um, you know, that there's 18 basis points priced in. So, you know, again, some chance of, of a pause from, from the Bank of Canada. I think there's a, um, 
you know, there is a sense that, and we saw the RBA refer to this at the end of last year in their minutes, that, um, you know, there is a, a sense of collectively, you know, looking at what everyone else is doing. And, and I, I sort of suspect that at least for the RBA, it'll find it difficult to pause if other central banks like the Bank of Canada and the Fed are continuing to lift rates. So I think um, that meeting is going to be pretty important. We've already seen the Norges Bank um, pause this year. So they said, you know, we don't think we need to go in January, but, you know, the way things stand, we'll be we'll be back in March with another rate hike. So we are definitely after, you know, what's been a year of really aggressive rate hikes, getting closer to that point where, you know, I think central banks are going to be far more data-driven. And if the data are suggesting that perhaps central banks have done enough, then the case for a pause, um, you know, will might be made i don't know you know sally i mean yeah that whole data-driven approach it seems like a lot of hard work i, I prefer the other approach of just saying what's everyone else doing <laughs> uh, let's let's just follow them <laughs> anyway good to talk we'll catch you again soon thanks sally cheers phil have a good day and i would love to be here tomorrow morning to talk about the implications of those cpi numbers for australia but i know tomorrow morning this time you're going to be queuing at the fish markets to try and get a big bag of prawns to throw on the barbecue tomorrow so we're taking tomorrow off we are back the next day though enjoy australia day i'm phil dobby for now see you on friday